welcome to the Creative South Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Frostholm. Today, I talk with Luke Flowers. Luke is an incredible illustrator based in Colorado Springs. We sit down and talk about how his early love for scholastic books kickstarted his desire to be an illustrator, defining your own style, the process and challenges that come with writing and illustrating a children's book, and more, all right after this. Jack Prince is one of our favorite companies to work with. They offer great products at even better prices, with some of the best customer service I've ever seen. Why not pick Jack Prince next time you need t-shirts, business cards, stickers, or flyers printed? Right now, Jack Prince is offering four-day turnaround on their most popular apparel products. That's four days with no rush fees, no hassle, and no BS. With apparel from popular brands like American Apparel, Next Level, Jilden, All Style, and more starting as low as $3.99 each. Now is the time to take advantage of this great offer. Visit jack.inc slash four days to order your apparel today. Plus, Jack Prince is giving Creative South podcast listeners 20% off all orders over $25 when you use promo code CREATESOUTH17 at checkout. Visit jackprince.com for your next order of stickers, prints, or whatever you need today. We've gone through and streamlined the Creative South podcast Patreon page, cleaning out the excess and making it easier for you to support us. With options starting at just $1 per month, you can help support the podcast and even wind up with some cool Creative South podcast swag. Every dollar helps cover hosting costs, upgrade equipment, and keep the podcast going. When you become a Creative South patron, you'll get access to exciting Creative South news before anyone else, Creative South podcast stickers and t-shirts. So please help support the podcast and become a patron over at patreon.com slash creative south. Luke, thanks for joining me tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And it's still kind of early evening there for you, though. You're, what, mountain time, which is like the hardest time zone for people to figure out. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, it's six o'clock here, so. Six o'clock. Okay, so it's seven o'clock here. So I'm on Central. You're on, yeah. Hour yeah. Difference. Okay. I don't know why that's so hard for me. <laughs> the same way when we travel. I think it's the most ignored time zone is what it is. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> so, So where'd you grow up? Uh, so I grew up in uh, a little mountain town. Uh, about I live in Colorado Springs now, so it's mm-hmm. a little mountain town about two hours west of here called Buena Vista. Um, so it was pretty small. I grew up on a, a ranch. Um, mm-hmm. It was a horse ranch, so um, it kind of provided horses for uh, Young Life, which is uh, a youth ministry. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I just grew up on that farm. My dad ran the horse ranch, and my mom worked at one of the camps, so... They were pretty. It was a pretty nice daycare. How did how did your parents get into running a horse ranch, or uh, how did your dad get into running the horse yeah. ranch and your mom doing a daycare? Um, uh, so his dad ran it before him when they first started okay. the horse ranch there. Um, when Young Life first established the camps there, and they've got about I think twenty six camps around the nation now. Mm-hmm. Um, so he grew up on that same ranch, and I grew up there, and, and now my brother runs it. So we still go back up there. And, Ah, so so it stayed in the family there. Yeah, it's been pretty. It's a it's a good ministry to be part of, and mm-hmm. it's fun to be able to get up there and play cowboy every uh, every now and then. <laughs> gotcha. Of course, our kiddos love it, so it's it's fun yeah. to, be able to go back there. And I can imagine. I was always excited when we'd go on a vacation, and there were horses that we got to ride. So I I, I bet that's fun for your kids. Yes. Yeah. 
So when you were growing up, were you uh, the arty kid or were you just constantly getting into trouble or what, what type of kid were you? <laughs> no, I think thankfully the arty kept me out of the trouble. Um, I, I just kind of always had been drawing. I think growing up on the ranch too, there was, it was kind of some slow days. So we didn't mm -hmm. have neighbors and it was pretty uh, remote. So drawing and a big stack of scholastic how to draw books um, kind of kept us busy along with all of our 1980s toys that, you know, <laughs> were plenty exciting. Um, <laughs> so yeah. yeah, and I had two brothers, so that was always an adventure to be had. And um, But yeah, I, I had a, an old uh, drawing desk that my grandpa had given me, uh, my grandfather mm -hmm. on the other side, that, not the one that ran the horse ranch, but he'd kind of, he was an architect. Um, sure. And so he gave me this old drawing desk, and I just thought that was the greatest thing ever, and that kind of sparked this feeling like, oh, I could be a professional artist, you know, even though <laughs> I was only in second grade. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just lots of drawing, and uh, you know, I grew up reading a lot of children's books, and so it was mm -hmm. just was one of those things that I kind of felt like that would be amazing to be part of at some point in my life. I didn't know how or when sure. that would happen, but that's kind of where it sure. started. So, so when you're going through school, are you taking like all the art classes you can and, and stuff like that? Yeah. And it was funny. I mean, growing up in a small, you know, it was a really small school. Um, I can imagine. Graduating class was like 70 kids. Um, so yeah, I took lots of, I took some, uh, extracurricular art classes from a professional illustrator that happened to live in our town. He, um, mm -hmm. he did like postage stamps for the U S mail. Um, he's really super wow. realistic, um, illustrations. So I kind of learned from him through high school. Sure. Because um, by the time I was about a junior in high school, we'd kind of run out of art classes <laughs> in our school. Um, that, you know, so I was kind of making, um, our art teacher was awesome. He kind of let me make up art classes for the last two years of high school. <laughs> um, and it was funny. So, dir so directed high, directed studies in high school. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Which is fun because by then I was kind of you know, really wanting to get into like the music industry. So I was, you know, just playing with a lot of like album covers and gig poster kind of things and Mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of fun uh, to be able to have that kind of freedom at that age to explore. And then by then I started thinking I should, you know, probably start. I, I was really big into basketball too. So that was kind of this mm -hmm. funny thing being in a small town that was like, you could be a basketball star. And I was kind of also you know, <laughs> well known for my art, but um, I, by senior year I had to decide. And I was thinking I could maybe get a potential you know scholarship for basketball, but I went the art route, which um, I'm pretty glad that i did <laughs> gotcha i think that works we're, out we're, a lot better yeah so so did you end up going to college for art uh yeah i went to a, a small um i keep saying small my world was very small i guess back then <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a little art college uh, up in denver uh, called rocky mountain college of art and design uh, uh -huh. and they've actually gotten really big now they have a really nice campus but when i was there it was pretty small just these two buildings split by this road that you kind of had to you know, take your chance of death getting to your classes. And there was always like pastels just destroyed on this highway. And it was, it was pretty funny. People's zip discs are just crushed on the road. Oh, the, so, the, the good old zip disc. Yeah. I think the drivers were looking for the art students, you know, trying to really. The exciting them. world of 50 megabytes <laughs> yeah. at a time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd spent so much money on zip discs. I know, I, right? I, and then like a year and a half later, they were obsolete. <laughs> I, I even upgraded to the jazz disc. Oh yeah. There was the jazz disc. <laughs> oh, so, so what did, what did you focus on when you, when you got to college? Were you just kind of doing general art studies or were you, 
you know, did you focus on illustration or graphic design? I did have a, a major in illustration. Um, I definitely knew that's kind of where I wanted to go, just with the music stuff and sure. um, editorial. I was starting to get into more editorial illustration work at that time, uh, as far as where I'd want to go. And I was actually mm-hmm. working for a t-shirt design company. Um, that was kind of my gig for college. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's kind of a potential of doing something in that industry as well. Um, I really sure. enjoyed sort of a running like presses and things like that. Um, but yeah, by the time I graduated, um, I'd actually started um, sort of, <coughs> excuse me, doing an internship for um, Young Life, that um, mm-hmm. industry that I had grown up with. And they had an opening as a art director um, or a lead designer in their um, art department, uh, which was headquartered here in Colorado Springs. So mm-hmm. um, it just kind of worked out that I had this internship with them and then their head lead designer kind of got into some hot water, <coughs> excuse me. And then um, I was just fresh out of school and I'm mostly an illustration major. And so they said, well, would you at all be interested in taking on some design work and maybe taking this lead des- designer position, um, which I'd really just done a, a little bit of Photoshop at that point um, in, sure. in design and I said, sure, why not? You know, I'll give it a try. And um, 10 years later, I was there for, about 10 years and kind of doing illustration on the side a lot, trying mm-hmm. to just grow my freelance um, base and, and definitely pushing more into like the editorial and children's mm-hmm. book over that amount of time. So, so you, you're working as a designer essentially when you get out of college for young life, um, which is nice because you're familiar with it. You've grown up with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it wasn't this huge culture shock for you. Um, and then you start, do you start picking up freelancer? Is this just stuff you're doing on the side, just trying to keep your chops up? Yeah, it was a little bit of both. Um, and then my wife, you know, we started to have a family and we wanted her to be able to stay home with the kids as they were getting mm-hmm. older. And, um, so at that point I decided I could, you know, probably start doing a little bit more freelance just to bring in a little bit more income. And sure. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So I started doing stuff for a lot of local publishers here in town. Um, like folks on the family and compassion international and um, we're kind of a big hub of ministries for some reason mm-hmm. so um, it was great to kind of get into some of them and do some um, uh, curriculum work for david c cook is another publisher here in town and so i was just kind of picking up little odds and ends and then started doing some packaging stuff for uh, folks on the family and poster work and so i really started to pick up um uh, i guess it was like around 2007 it started really mm-hmm. kind of getting to be almost like 40 hours at home at night and then 40 hours, you know, day job. And it just was too much. So I decided at that point to start really pushing, you know, to make sure I could leave, um, uh, young life at about, you know, in a couple of years. And so by 2010, uh, I'd kind of had enough client base that I could really feel comfortable that it would carry us into doing that full time. Okay. Yeah. 2010 was when I kind of made the big jump into full-time freelance. Gotcha. And you're still doing freelance with those publishers locally. Had you started getting more national clients at that point too? Um, yeah, I think at that point they were still my, my, my biggest, um, clients. Um, and I still do some work for like, um, the children's magazines for folks on the family. Um, Mm -hmm. and I still help with the children's magazine for compassion international. Mm -hmm. Um, so I strayed away from a lot of just the general design work. Um, I used to, also do like a lot of album cover covers for friends and gig posters and stuff like that. So sure. Um, those first couple of years of freelance, I was really just sort of doing anything and everything for 
um, those kind of ministries and, and then um, a lot of like musician friends I'd kind of gotten to know and I was in some bands at that point so I kind of mm-hmm. kind of networked with you know other bands and stuff um, but by about uh, gosh you know 2010 I was really feeling like it's time I really start to focus on doing children's book work and um, at that point I started really just focusing on children's magazines and um, and then got a couple like self-publishing uh, projects uh, from just some people that knew I did children's magazines and Sure. So that's where it really started to kind of just trickle in because um, you really kind of got to get one or two under your belt before anybody even takes recognition that you can do it. Um, so right. those, are, those are some really good um, projects to learn on and just know like, what it would take time-wise. And um, and then I, um, gosh, I guess it was like around 2013 or 14, um, mm-hmm. I started to kind of really, I think that's when I, like social media really started to play big. Um role in just networking and, and realizing sure. like how many other illustrators were out there and, and, and learning a lot from other illustrators and, um, and that kind of just, cause I was, you know, kind of solo, just, you know, how it is, you can feel pretty alone in it and they, oh, yeah, you're definitely. the only one on that road. And, um, well, and especially, ne- especially when you work from home. Yeah. <laughs> <really>. <laughs> so it's kind of depressing. And, yeah. Uh, and so I just I really started reaching out to some some guys that you know I'd always flip through in the communication arts annual and seen their work or something and just be like mm. I just just reach out to them see what they're up to and if they have any tips and um, thankfully you know I mean there's a lot of you know uh, guys and girls I looked up to that were just really open to giving some really good feedback and hey here's how you can make some inroads with the industry and um, uh, a good friend of mine Rob McClurkin um, he mm-hmm. you know he kind of was like hey you should you know, come out, we have this, there's this big conference out in New York every year um, for Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, and um, you should come out with us this year. And so I scrapped together, you know, the best portfolio I could get. I didn't have a ton <laughs> of, you know, kids kids book um, work at that point. So sure. um, I kind of put together all the editorial type kids magazine stuff I had and headed out there. And uh, it was just, it was really eye-opening. Um, at, at that point, I also kind of met with some agents um and I ended up joining the Bright Agency, um, and they kind of really they helped give me some good insights into the industry and you know, mm. get, get my foot in the door. And um, so that was kind of where it really started to take off. And that was like around 2014. Um, that was sort of the first big, I'd say, probably transition into children's books as like okay. a full time focus. Sure. So when when you know, aside from being a huge fan of like Scholastic and, and those kids magazines when you were growing up, what was it that drew you to illustrating for uh, children's publications? Uh, I think really, I mean, it's the work of like, I think my biggest hero has always been Jim Henson and just the work sure. that, I mean, you know, when I first saw the first episode of Sesame Street that I saw, I was just like absolutely, you know, just blown away by it. the the range of creativity that was going on there from puppets to cartoons to you know, acting and just so many, I mean, short films and it was just, you know, such an eye-opening uh, and revolutionary, you know, show at that time. Sure. Um, it doesn't hurt now that you kind of look like him. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I was actually at a gas station the other day and I had like a, I have a Jim Henson sweatshirt and, and some guy's uh-huh. like, are you his son? And I was like, no. <laughs> uh, just a kindred spirit. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that was a huge, I mean, so then it was just the Muppet films and I mean, just growing sure. up all through the 80s, just really following his career and um, 
And though he didn't do children's books, uh, you know, I really grew up with like a lot of the gold, little gold books. My first ones I, I ever really remember falling in love with was the, you know, the monster at the end of this book with Grover. And um, mm-hmm. so I feel like that was one of those books. I just thought this is amazing that you could create this thing that keeps this little brain, like guessing what's going to happen next. And, um, and so that, and, and also Shel Silverstein's work, um, you mm-hmm. know, illustrator and poet. And I just, I loved his kind of dark, kind of weird. It was almost like he felt like, it was this strange sort of, <laughs> uh, I don't know, just this weird look at the world that I, you know, it wasn't the sweet sort of children's book approach. It was kind of this, um, sure. kind of dark and, and kind of whimsical and also just really lighthearted too. And so I just love that. Well, I'm sure, sh- I'm sure being a Henson fan, as you got older, you kind of discovered he had this dark and weird side <laughs> too. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, even like, as you start to get like Seuss was another, you know, hero of mine, as you got oh, to yeah. know more of his stuff, you realize how much, kind of his other side of his kind of more oddball sort of dark art that he did as well. So, Oh yeah. Seuss was, had so much social commentary stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's the kind of stuff, you know, you grew up loving a lot of these books and these, um, but you didn't always, at least for me, I didn't always know like the illustrator behind it or the writer behind Mm -hmm. it, you know, except for those guys that clearly went and got their books. Um, but it wasn't until later that I was like, oh, I love that book. And then you know, like J.P. Miller is another illustrator. Mary Blair was another illustrator. That, you know, you grew up loving their work, but you didn't mm-hmm. always know who who they were. So especially sure. a lot of the, the little golden books, you know. Um, I just collected those like, like they were candy. And <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so those are the kind of stuff. And then, uh, you know, as I got a little older, like, you know, Calvin and Hobbes and mm-hmm. Garfield and uh, the far side were the kind of like, you know, sort of weird <laughs> comics that I got into and things yeah. to influence sort of the, the whimsical side of my art. It's kind of being a little bit more uh, conceptual and, and kind of uh, tongue in cheek. Sure. So, so as you're coming up doing illustration and stuff and, and uh, how are you developing your own style? Cause at this point I imagine people are, at least from everything I see, people seem to be seeking you out for your specific style. But I know coming up a lot of times, especially when you're doing freelance and you're taking on commission and all, they're expecting you to deliver something that's more in their vision mm-hmm. and all that. How are you balancing that with developing your own style? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, early on, you know, when I was doing like work with um, some of the uh, like smaller ministries and stuff like that, a lot of times you're right. They excuse me, they would ask like, Hey, we've got this look and this kind of what we're trying to do. Can you match this? So I felt like those first years of getting into editorial and, and, and that kind of work was like, can you copy cats? Um, and, and though that was good to really study like the, you know, styles of certain artists and be like, can I match that, that brushwork, that, you know, mm-hmm. color palette, um, you know, by, by the time I was really starting to want to focus on doing my own sort of stuff, I, I really, just said, you know, I got to put that aside. And what would I do if it was just naturally, like if I sit down and just paint, like, um, mm-hmm. so I think that's what sort of has come out of it. And that's kind of the look that I think once you do a few of those and then they kind of got recognized and when people are like, Hey, can you do a book in that style? Then, um, I think that's when it really started to take off. Like, um, one of the first book series I did was with random house to this like Sasonian, um, like fact book. Um, and so I mm-hmm. just had all these wacky facts that I illustrated and, and that was kind of a fun exploration of, of my style. That was sort of the first time I started to kind of think, okay, this is what I would do. And um, and then, you know, I was also doing a lot of like um, just 
you know, fan art kind of stuff. I think that's also a great place sure. to really explore and cause you have no, you know, client, you know, voices or anything. It was just, um, so I think that's probably where most of it has developed is just doing fan art and um, personal stuff. And, um, and then also like some of those like daily art challenges, I, I used to do a lot more of those. Um, mm-hmm. don't quite have as much time anymore, unfortunately, but <laughs> <laughs> with all the deadlines. Well, demands. I think that's a, I think that's a fortunately and unfortunately sort of situation. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have had one without the other. So, but yeah. I do, I do yeah. miss I do miss doing some of those. I still try to get sure. a, a couple in every now and then, but sure. You know. So, so, I think so that's how when you yeah, so when you when you are developing that style you know and, and you're coming into your own voice how do you keep i'm trying to find the right way to phrase this how do you keep other people's influences you know from creeping in too much i mean i i think everybody you know you can look back and see influences of now I'm drawing blanks on names of people who I relate to the, your work, but uh, if we weren't having the conversation on my, I, know, right? I would remember them all. <laughs> but I, you know, I, while I certainly can see influence of of people in your work, I, mm-hmm. I don't think it's their work. How do you? How do you? When you're developing your own voice, keep those influences from overpowering it. Yeah, um, I think just always trying to. Um, I definitely have, been, like I said, growing up doing the little golden books. I think that's mm-hmm. probably a heavy influence on what I do now. And I think people sure. most often say this kind of has that little golden book feel. Um, and I think a lot of times that's just the brushwork technique or you mm-hmm. know color palettes, things like that. Um, but I still feel like I'm always trying to kind of find new avenues and ways to adapt it and explore. Um, even now, I feel like just this year, I feel like I've kind of. I've enjoyed kind of doing that look and, and being recognized for that certain look, but it always mm-hmm. feels like I'd l- love to keep pushing in, you know, a little bit more organic or, you know, changing things up and trying some sure. more hand, hand drawn kind of um, techniques and stuff. So I think it's always growing, um, but you obviously don't want to grow too far to where your clients that, you know, enjoy what you do <laughs> all of a sudden feel yeah, like, and going, rec- what the hell is this? It's like your favorite <laughs> artist all of a sudden come out with, you know, a jazz fusion funk album when you're like i really like your acoustic stuff you know so yeah <laughs> there's always that you know risk of not pushing it too far to where people don't even recognize it anymore sure yeah they're, they're only the beatles could get away with that yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> so so you're 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 you you go to the Society of Children's Book Illustrator. I can never remember the full name of it. <laughs> Squibby something. Yeah, Squibby. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you go to that. You start networking more. You start reaching out more. Um, when you start working with an agent, do you? How, how does that process work? How do you? How do you go through? I guess booking an agent. I mean, I'm sure going there and meeting them helps a lot. But how, how do you go through that? Yeah. Um, the first, the, um, the site shows book writers and illustrated conference is an amazing opportunity because you get to bring your portfolio, you know, a handful of postcards and you have like this night where there are like 200 editors, art directors, publishers mm-hmm. kind of walk through and just check out all these portfolios, you know, and there's usually, you know, a couple hundred maybe, um, illustrators that, that are there. Um, so it's tough competition, but sure. I mean, you just couldn't buy that kind of exposure, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's actually where I've gotten a lot of the work, um, since then, since 2015 or the last three mm-hmm. years or two years, I guess it was 14. I first went, um, but it's such a, a great, um, 
just exposure and and then um and then at that point yeah i think also there's a lot of agents there so if you are looking for an agent a lot of agents go out there looking for new potential artists Mm -hmm. Um, that's kind of where i met bright the first time and um, and i was with them for two years and then um, things just kind of changed and i ended up leaving them and and i don't have an agent um so i'm starting to try to look more towards like a literary agent um sure I'd like to start focusing on just more doing um, author illustrator work of mm-hmm. my own. Um, so that's kind of where that agent would um, play a role again and really help me kind of get into an area that I'm not as familiar with. Cause um, like at this point I, I've got enough illustration work just on my own that it kind of keeps a, a pretty steady pace. Sure. So, well, since you mentioned the, uh, the author illustrator work, let, let, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, I, I think the one that most people are familiar with, um, especially if you have kids is, uh, the, the Moby Shinobi, the ninja. <laughs> How, where, where did that idea come from? Uh, well, again, that, that came from the conference, which was an amazing opportunity. I, I, that first year I went out there, I had this, um, little postcard of this little like spy guy kind of hanging down. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'd gotten back from the conference. I had no idea what was actually going to come of it. I didn't, you know, at the time you don't actually get to sit with the art directors and stuff. They come sure. to just, you can kind of see how many, maybe postcards got taken and then, you know, like, mm-hmm. okay, maybe it was, there was some interest or not. Um, and then about two months later, um, I got a call from Scholastic and they said, Hey, we saw your postcard. And, um, had this little spy guy on it. We're looking for somebody to do a ninja series for us. Would you be interested? And, I mean, after I picked myself up off the floor from, <laughs> so, did you say ninjas and scholastic? Uh, <laughs> My so, dreams came true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was not Ninja Turtles as I, you know, loved growing up, but uh, it sure. was pretty close. So, um, oh, but this is your own creation, which yeah. is even better. <laughs> so yeah. And they basically said, you know, could you just throw out a couple ideas? And then, I also I hadn't written any books at that point. And they said, "Would you at all be interested in writing it?" We know you haven't done it yet, but you know, um, is that something you'd be interested? in? I said, "Of course." You know, pick myself up off the floor once again, and uh, <laughs> so now <laughs> writing, illustrating, and working with classic with ninjas. I mean, it was just uh, I was just full on inspiration, and so I just started putting together ideas for him, and kind of came up with three different avenues that we could go. One was like a space ninja. One was mm-hmm. this mystical mystical creature ninja that would kind of capture mythical creatures and work alongside them and and then the last one i pitched to him was this idea of this ninja that goes on these job sites tries mm-hmm. his best but always messes up and then potentially there's a ninja problem to be solved um, ninja catastrophes was, yeah ninja <laughs> catastrophe and that was the one they chose which i was excited about because that was the one i liked the most too and sure um, yeah, from there, then, I mean, it took almost two years from the writing, the illustrating, you know, they, the amazing thing about Scholastic was they really, you know, they go through a ton of processes of just testing them and doing them with, you know, these different book fairs and, um, you know, testing with kids and, and librarians and teachers and everybody really gives a lot of good feedback. So even though it's just so, a little, little, you know, first edition reader um, or reader level one, Mm-hmm. They, they really scrutinize every word. And so that was a challenge for me because it's like, gosh, you think, I mean, just like you, you, you the, your kids bring those home all the time to read. You think, oh, this seems pretty easy, but sure, I have a whole new appreciation for them after going through that process, just knowing how every word is, you know, is that too tough for a kid? Is this a good challenge? You know, like you can't use mm-hmm. abbreviations. And so there's a lot of rules around it that makes it a pretty difficult challenge. And I'd written it in rhyme. So 
every mm-hmm. time you know one word got changed, it was like, oh, that was such a good rhyme, but now that was too challenging of a word. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to go back and rework it. So are they, at that yeah. point, are they kind of like taking galley prints out and testing that way? Is that how they do it? Um, you just yeah, there was kind of just like it was all written out, and so I, at first, the very first stage was just taking out those first ideas. You know, mm. there's three different ideas, and I'd done some illustrations for them, so. They, that's how they kind of worked it down to like, hey, this one tested best, this idea with this on-the-job kind of ninja. Mm-hmm. Then once we wrote, you know, got that story written, then they kind of, you know, test that one. And, um, you know, uh, at that point, if it all got approved and the writing, um, and I, again, done a couple spreads. I, they usually ask me to do a couple spreads each book, so they have those to kind of sure. take to their um, different departments to kind of look them over. and. Um, mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a pretty amazing process. It's you know drawn out over almost a year um, between books, but um, mm-hmm. really you know growing up loving <coughs> loving Scholastic, it makes you just appreciate you know just the the work that goes into those you know Scholastic books. So right um, when when they approached you, had you even considered writing a book at that point? Was that something that you had thought of? Uh, yeah, I definitely um, had a bunch of ideas for books that I was hoping to you know start focusing on and. Um, and really I kind of started on it and then all of a sudden just got flooded with a ton of work from, uh, you know, other publishers wanting me to do books with other authors, which, um, mm-hmm. you know, at the time it was, <laughs> excuse me, it was, it was a little bit of a, a little hard to say, okay, I'll just put this on the back burner and focus on this. Um, you know, cause, uh, but I really felt like at that point I was still really, you know, learning the industry. So, um, I think it was good to, you know, just focus on just the illustrating of children's books for a while and, um, sure. So I think, you know, after having a couple of books on my belt and then jumping into Moby Shinobi, um, I think it was actually the perfect timing because I felt a little bit more ready to, to do that, um, knowing just how mm-hmm. to pay, pace a book and, you know, just you know, character development. And so I think it was really the right time. Yeah. Well, I'm curious about that. You mentioned character development and, and, and pacing the book. You know, because with children's books, it, especially if it's like, like you said, level one readers – there's so few words on the page and you've really got to rely on the imagery to tell the story or to move the story. Yeah. Um, you know, how does that process work? Because I mean, I'm trying to think of a good example of a book that my kids still have, but I mean, there was, and I can't remember what the name of it is, but there was one that when they were reading, I think there were like 64 words in the entire book. Yeah. It's, and that, it was it's like two words per page. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I feel so like every year it's like, you know, that, less and less words and, you know, there's attention span and parents times, you know, less than that, you know, they are. I blame same. Twitter. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Jobs. Um, <laughs> yeah. So... I think, you know, it's one of the things where, yeah, it's becomes more and more of a challenge. How do you pack a whole story and, you know, develop these characters that they want to, you know, love and follow in, in such a short mm-hmm. amount? Like, it is a challenge. Um, and uh, with Moby Shinobi, it was interesting. Just, you know, you, this one, that's a 32-page book. Um, but again, that's mm-hmm. only 64 lines. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was fun. We kind of came up with that formula. Like, I, I don't know if you've read mm-hmm. it, but it's, you know, it's kind of got this, like, you know, three part, you know, he goes, you know, messes up, messes up, messes up, finally gets it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, they really found that like these kind of like scenarios, you know, connect with kids and, um, and that's really kind of how the formula we've, we've gone with the whole book series is even though his job sets mm-hmm. are different and the sort of silliness is different, it kind of helps 
if it's a kid that's read it for the first time or, you know, they're starting to read, you know, it is a series. Well, so it'd be able to kind of sure. get used to just because of that level reader and, uh, mm-hmm. and that sort of the format that I've worked in. So I, I do want to start working in more just like broader picture books and um, not always just confined to that, you know, that reader level, but it has been a really good process to learn about, you know, working with the team and, and editing and drafts and, you know, you know, you really become mm-hmm. in love with this first draft and then just, you know, how do you let go and how do you work with the team? So I think every, it's kind of how I've looked back at the journey is I feel like everything happened sort of in a sequence that made sense. I mean, I was always chomping at the bit to get to the next one, but, you know, looking back, it's always like, I think that was the perfect timing. Um, uh, you know, even just work, when I was first doing freelance, I think if I tried to write some of those books at that time, you know, five or six years ago, I don't think I would have had the, um, you know, sort of the experience that I think I need now to start writing and, and think about all those elements that make for an engaging picture book. So, sure. Yeah. And and how many how many movie Shinobi books are there at this point? There's, uh, there's two just, or three. Just one out right now. Um, oh, just one for some. Oh, that's right. You were saying the, the second one comes, one comes out in July. Up, yeah, in July. And then I've written the third one and actually illustrating it this month. So, um, and then we have a gotcha. fourth fourth one under under the. Uh, or on the potential horizon. So at this point, they're just four, and it'd be great if it kept going. But we'll just see how these first couple mm-hmm. go. So, um, do you ever have plans with working with like children's books to do kind of I don't know what the term is for it, but basically a progressive series where like you start off at level one, and then you move to level two, and then you move to level three and four. You know, so it follows the kids as they grow. Yeah, I mean that would that would be really fun, and we have definitely talked about something like that with Mobu Shinobi, uh, maybe potentially opening mm-hmm. it up as a little bit more as these kids grow. Um, and I think I love like the the Cars movies. I think they've done such an awesome job of that. You know, as far as if you think about like mm-hmm. the way they've timed those and where kids are. You know, that like my kid was at that first age, and now he's just as excited about this you know third one coming out. That I just think that that's the kind sure. of stuff I would love to do, where you could reach kids at, at different age levels. Um, so yeah, I'd always be open for a, a series like that, um, whether it was, you know, um, like a, a movie show. We just uh, we kind of talked about some origin stories or something like that. That you know, or different areas mm-hmm. of ways that he could maybe bring in other characters. Um, so mm-hmm. I definitely have some chapter book ideas, um, sort of on the back burner that um, could potentially do something like that, like grow. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. Gotcha. So so at this point, you know, you 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 know, successful children's book, uh, illustrator and author, <laughs> um, you know, you, you're growing it, you're working on more books and things like that. You know, you, you've also, and, and I've just noticed that I'm saying, you know, like every other word, which is going <laughs> to just annoy me in the edit. And I'm going to leave this in just so people focus on it. <laughs> but you, you you you've also had the opportunity to collaborate with a lot of different people on things. Um, you know, how does that process work? How does that get started? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think one of my favorite recent ones was um, you know working on uh, Joey Ellis's uh, Leaky Timbers, the the puppet. Yeah, that was that was exactly pitch. the one I was thinking of. So I mean, man, if, if anybody you know, if anybody would pick that up and that would become our full time job, I'm I'm fine with that. I would. I would do that full time right now. Um, and again, just growing sure. up with, you know, a love of the Muppets. Um, that's always near and dear to my heart. Um, even though, I mean, it's, I've mm-hmm. 
nowhere near the level of puppeteering that would probably need to be. Um, any any little bit is fun. So I have puppets that I actually bring to all my um, book launches and stuff, just trying to get more and more um, experience with that. Yeah, I've, just... I've 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 seen the ninja puppet. <laughs> I've seen. <laughs> it's really fun it. to see how kids engage with it. They're like, you read the book, and then here's the character, and they just. You know, it's just like, you know, you know, Jim Henson would always say that also there's just this like the kids don't even see you. They don't see you attached to them. They just they just see the character, you know, and just I always sure. love that about Kermit that like you'd see these videos and this kid doesn't even recognize that there's somebody down there puppeteering them. It's mm-hmm. it's just the magic of it. So I like being able to bring an element of that to the, the book events and, and see the kids mm-hmm. just almost see it come to life in a whole different way. Um so those kind sure. of collaborations I love doing. Um and then there's, you know, uh, stuff, you know, with like the galleries, that's the other sort of work that probably takes up mm-hmm. a large chunk of my time. Um, and again, that was just b- being a fan of a lot of these films and cartoons and um, pop culture stuff that um, I was always doing on the side. And then it was great just to be able to start collaborating with um, some of these curators um, out in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been amazing to get to know just the, the community of creatives that are part of sort of the gallery community and, and then also animation community out there. It's um, been really fun to start to collect or to connect with them on that. And so I don't know where that mm-hmm. would ever lead to. Um, if I ever was asked to do like background work for, you know, a TV show or something, I'd definitely be up for that kind of work too. Um, or short film sure. type stuff. So I, I don't know the, I feel like I'm at this place in the career where I definitely want to stick with picture books and, and see where that takes. But um, also open just to, you know, as the creative journey opens up new doors and things I might not plan. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to be at that well, point. Well, yeah, well, let's go back a little bit and let, let's talk about Leaky Timbers and how you and Joey kind of hooked up on that and what your role was in it. And yeah. uh, focus well, think, on that for a second. Yeah, just as Joey and I, you know, we've been friends for a couple of years. Um, we first met through Dribble, which was, gosh, a long time ago. Um, and I was sure. just, first I was a fan of, of Leaky Timbers before I even really knew Joey. It was like my kids and us, we just, you know, saw his Kickstarter and we were just like in love with this character. And, mm-hmm. um, and so at that point I just kind of started reaching out to Joey and, you know, as a fan and, uh, we became friends. By, by and, character, you mean the Leaky Timbers characters, not <laughs> both. Joey, right? <laughs> both, both wacky characters. <laughs> uh, so true. Um, as you know him well, um. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he's just you know a kindred spirit, and and you know both our, our love of all things eighties and, and the Muppets, and so I think we just kind of hit it off that way, and um, mm-hmm. and then we we've been like roommates at some conferences, and that's kind of been a great way to you know connect in person, and so at that point he was you know he was talking about like hey I might do this pitch video would you be interested, and uh, of course man it was one of those fall out of your chair moments where it's like of course you know let me know when and where, and um, so he got a couple of us together and we all, um, you know, flew out to his studio and spent a whirlwind, like three days, I think it was, um, you know, he'd sent us scripts and stuff like that. And, you know, he was, he was really awesome at helping me, you know, like, Hey, here's some, uh, puppeteering, uh, ideas and lessons and, you know, kind of practice on your own. And, um, mm-hmm. so I, I was um, playing the character of Roy, which is, um, you know, Wolfie's brother. Um, sure. And, and then Andy Miller was Jackson, who's the other brother. Um, and so it was really fun to get, <laughs> just to collaborate with, you know, two guys who I just totally admire as artists and then also as friends. And 
it was just such a, a dream sort of scenario that we got to, um, and, and Joey was just, you know, had such an awesome vision and um, awesome direction. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of got to work and I mean, it was a grueling pace by the end of every day, our arms were just like, I mean, I have a whole new appreciation for just puppeteers and what it takes to really, you know, have a full day of puppeteering, uh, you know, sure. And filming and, and, you know, retaking. And it was, it was eye opening, but definitely made me, uh, laying on your back with your arm over your head yeah. the entire time <laughs> stuffing your arm through a futon for an hour you know losing all blood circulation and you know we really got to know each other really well because we're like basically spooning you know <laughs> for 24 hours uh, so. hey can you scratch my nose yeah that's exactly it. so it was quite the experience so yeah so so with those collaborations and, 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 and I want to touch on the gallery stuff here in a second too. What, what is, what is your favorite part of that? Cause it's, you know, from, from most of the ones that I've seen publicly you work on, it's you're servicing somebody else's idea. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what, what is the, what, what, what about that is exciting for you? Yeah. I mean, I think because a lot of the picture book stuff is a lot of the original character work that I get to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. I love developing, you know, a character for a book and just a world and, you know, you get the script and then, you know, you, it's your sort of baby to kind of partner with them and bring that to life. Uh, and I love that aspect of right. picture books, but, um, I mean, also just, you know, growing up in the eighties, I'm such a, a you know, fanboy of so many films and, so it's just a great way to be able to get to do fan art with a bunch of other fans and friends that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, these galleries have such awesome themes and it's really neat to see how much the pop sort of culture, um, you know, and a sort of appreciation for it, um, is out there. Um, I think before, you know, whenever you'd say I do gallery work, people think, you know, fine art sort of hotel room artwork. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's just, it's really, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I get really inspired by the fact that we can, create some fan art and there's enough fans out there to support that, uh, the gallery shows. I mean, there's a ton of gallery shows right now that are or galleries out there doing this kind of work. So uh, sure. It just shows that, you know, all of us eighties kids and, and, and now the new people that appreciate that. And, and I mean, so many also just great new, um, you know, properties that are out now to mm-hmm. create fan art for. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, I just enjoy doing fan art. So that's gotcha. It. How did how did you get connected with um, Gallery eighty eight? How did that relationship kind of happen? Uh, so I, I, one of my first shows was um, with a gallery out in um, New York called uh, Bottleneck Gallery, and it was for a, mm-hmm. a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles show that Nick Lund was doing. A I think it was a twenty five year or thirty year I can't remember, thirty year anniversary um, show, and um, uh, so. Uh, a friend of a, a guy who had gotten, gotten no showman. Um, he does a lot of gallery curating and he's an amazing illustrator himself. Um, and so he basically said, Hey, you know, I know your work. Would you be interested in being part of the show? And so I did that show with him mm-hmm. um, through Nickelodeon. And then from that, you know, it's almost like picture books. So once you get in with sort of that, you know, community, then, you know, another gallery sees your work and says, Hey, we've got a show coming up. Would you be interested in this? And, Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of grown from there. I work with Gallery 1988. They, they're probably the one I do the most with. Um, I just mm-hmm. really love their themes. I love the, you know, just the, the community that um, does the shows there. And 
Um, but then also, you know, there's another one, Creature Features is another one I've started doing a lot for, and mm-hmm. uh, Leon's Wonderland um, gallery out there. Um, so uh, I also did one for the like, Gallery Nucleus was another one I did a, a Book of Life um, tribute show for. So, Oh, I love really, that yeah, It's such a beautiful movie. So, um, And again, that's another thing, another aspect of it. It's really been... Uh, it's just open doors um, to, you know, connect with, you know, directors of these films or mm-hmm. people that worked on these films, you know, they love that people love them enough to do tribute art. So it's been a great way to get to know some of the, you know, the teams of, of those films or people that have done, you know, work on the films. And, um, and even, you know, I did a show uh, or I did, there was a, a show that I did a, a labyrinth print for, mm-hmm. um, which ended up, you know, getting me to be able to connect with, you know, um, Cheryl Henson and Mm -hmm. um, to be able to, you know, send that. And so I think that's hanging up over at the Henson galleries. And um, so just neat ways like that, that's been able to open up doors to connect with people who I've admired for years. Sure. So, so when, when you're creating pieces for these galleries and there's, you know, you are a fan and you're creating that fan art, but they have a theme and it's not always, you know, a set forward theme of this is going to be Ninja Turtles. Sometimes it's, it's a decade or it's, you know, these things, how are you, you know, taking that fandom and pushing past it to actually create something that's art? That's a good question. Um, yeah, it is. It is so wide open sometimes, but because I, I know I'd be, I'd be like squealing like a little schoolgirl the entire time. <laughs> I, I usually am. It's okay. I mean, that's the kind of stuff. It's just. I think it's also fun because just like it's, it's like there's no, you know, it's just all freedom. You know, do what you'd like. You know, obviously there's parameters of the theme, but even that, it's just so fluid that you you see all these concepts that people come up with as a tribute to the same film. It's it's amazing to see the way different characters that they connect to or a different storyline. Um, so it's usually just something that like a part of that film and I, and they usually, you know, they send out a list of like, Hey, here's a bunch of shows for this year. Which ones are you interested in? Mm-hmm. Um, so there is some of that that I pick and choose the different shows that really, um, you know, I have a connection to. Cause I think that's the thing that really makes good fan art is when you're an actual fan of it, not just sure. like, Hey, you know, cause there's definitely ones that like, you know, Bob's Burgers, a great show. I just don't watch it enough that I sure. put together a piece that I feel would. Um, yeah. It's you know, not something you grew it. up with. It's just, yeah. Something yeah. that happens to be on. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's new stuff that I love like over the garden wall or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, teen Titans go all these kinds of shows. I watch with my kids now that I love and would do tribute art for, but there's just certain shows that, I think it's easy for some people to just like, oh, what's the popular show? Let's I'm gonna do a piece of fan art and get a bunch of recognition. So um, I think I try to pick and choose like if I'm an actual, you know, you know, really have a deep connection to it, or and then mm-hmm. I think that helps the concept come out so much, you know, stronger when you actually are like, you know, you know that story detail or that line of that film that really meant something to you. Sure. So of all these gallery stuff pieces that you've done, what what's been your favorite one so far to work on? Oh, I think, you know, I, think I know Labyrinth, that's like almost like asking yeah. you to pick your favorite <laughs> which, child. Which your but... favorite kid. Uh, I know they've all, they all have been really fun and, um, you, you know, have opened really unique doors. Uh, I'd say probably the, uh, the Labyrinth one. Yeah, that was probably one of my favorites just because I think that was one that, you know, just growing up was one of my, it was a favorite film and it, it was a fun way to just pay tribute to it, doing the alphabet and, um, 
I tend to, I don't know, my wife always gets on me because she's like, every time you do these shows, you're like, choose the biggest, most involved concept you can, like the entire sure. alphabet or every character <laughs> from every film they've ever done. Uh, but I think for me, like, I was such a collector growing up. Is like, I I think that comes out in the fan art. It's just because I'm like, I love to see every one of the characters or every one of those characters mm-hmm. have meaning to me. Um, uh, so I think, you know, uh, Christopher Lee, who is the beast is back. I think he's another mm-hmm. one of those, you know, kindred spirits that does that kind of art. That's like, you know, he's a fan. Cause he like, when he did his like star Wars posters, like every single star Wars action figure, he illustrated. Sure. Stuff. You know, that's the kind of stuff I, I really love too, where it's just like, as an artist, you'd love to see on your wall. Like yep, there's all the characters they are all right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I tend to do stuff like that. Um, though I do also enjoy some kind of more stripped back, just kind of tongue in cheek, like, um, like when I did the Pixar um, mashup '80s posters, that was a little bit more. I like. Oh, I haven't doing seen that, that one. kind of stuff too. <laughs> that was back in the day when there was. Like, I was doing these things uh, for the Pixar Times, uh-huh. um, which um, I don't, they kind of relaunched. I don't think they do the Pixar part anymore. Um, sure. Uh, but uh, that was a series I did. Kind of, they asked me to do one, and I ended up doing you know like six or so. And I, I've still wanted to do every one for every Pixar film. I just lost track of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I kind of chose a favorite 80s movie and a favorite Pixar movie and sort of mashed them together. So it's like E.T. and Wally or Karate Kid and Up or um, Pee Wee's Herman and Ratatouille. So, and then just sure. I, I like to make it look like it's the actual poster from that you know the 80s film, but with the Pixar characters in it. So those are kind can, of you know oh also that's awesome mashup kind of stuff is what I also enjoy doing when it comes to fan art. It's like mashing up stuff that two loves kind of come together. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm surprised no one has done the short circuit Wally mashup, or at least I haven't seen it. <laughs> that would be awesome. I'd love. They're to so similar in design. Like, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd love to. I'd love to just do a whole box or thing of just all robots, like a Where's Wally sort of robot thing, where it's all the classic pop culture robots in a Where's Waldo type poster. But yeah, well, I think we just uh, found your next personal project to work <laughs> yeah. on. <laughs> that will take you I'll three years. Two hundred hours. <laughs> yeah, that will take you three years to work on. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, with all this stuff going on, you've got, um, you know, you've got the the new book coming out in July. Um, what what else exciting do you have that you're working on that that a you can talk about, um, and, and that you're really looking forward to? Uh, yeah. Um... I've definitely got a couple of more picture books that I've done for other authors. Um, I just started working with a, a, a publisher um, called Little Bee Publishing, um, mm-hmm. Little Bee Books Publishing. Um, and I've got three new books coming out with them, which have been really fun. One was like a pumpkin book and one was reindeer. And then there's one about this sailing turtle and this little tiger that got on this sort of sailing adventure, which I love because one, the author is wonderful to work with, but um, uh, also just I've always dreamt of being a sea sea captain so (laughs) i think that probably has something to do with uh growing up landlocked in colorado (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) as you can see all my uh deep sea uh, memorabilia up there which i'll never (laughs) it's the life i never got to live um so yeah those are three books i'm excited about and then another one i just got to that was uh, really fun was um a little golden book series uh with nickelodeon um for Mm -hmm. Uh, their property is called Rusty Rivets, which is a new Nickelodeon show. Um, so that was fun to be able to work um, not only again with Nickelodeon, but also on a little Golden Book series. Um, so I've got 
three of those. Uh, two, one comes out in July, and then uh, the other one comes out, I think, in September, and then the third one um, isn't out yet, but it's the one I'm actually working on illustrating next month. So, Sure. I, wa- I wanted to ask you, and I forgot to earlier, when, when you're doing your illustrations, are you going, are you starting off completely traditional and then moving to digital, or are you, you know, Traditional, scanning it in and cleaning it up. How, how does that how does that work process work for you? Uh, yeah, it's all just one hundred percent Photoshop. Um, I'll often do thumbnails um, in you know just in a sketchbook. Just sure. Um, usually go to a bookstore or something just to get out of the, the creative cave and, and just sort of start storyboarding as I read the manuscript. And um, but then I just you know scan those in real quick, and then from there all the actual like I actually do a much more cleaned up uh, version to send to the the publishers. Mm-hmm. all the storyboards um, but again all that's just photoshop and then from there i just start using um, photoshop brushes and it's usually just sort of it's just like a traditional painting really um just shapes and then you know textures and then details on top um, sure so and then some color i usually do some color tweaking at the end um, just to make sure things are sort of consistent across the book but um yeah that's that's really it i mean it, it's it's if when I was in college, I mean, the digital stuff, the digital brushes back then were so horrible. You know, just sort of, I mean, well, not, exi- and, not even that horrible. Bra- they were know, just non-existent. Yeah, it's just, it was just clunky, you know. So uh, I think there was Painter. Painter was the other program that was out, and that was sort of like the revolutionary, like, oh, man, look, it actually looks like brush strokes. Um, but it was just such a, like, you had to, like, know rocket science, I felt, to understand that program, going from Photoshop to Painter. Sure. So I did a little bit of painter when I first started, but um, as soon as I got a hold of like um, some some of the early like Kyle's brush, Kyle Webster brushes that mm-hmm. he put out, um, I felt like that was just a huge game changer. And then since then, you know, there's just so many people that are doing really awesome brush work mm-hmm. um, out there. So I, I use sort of a conglomeration of several different artists that produce paint brushes i mean definitely kyle's brushes are sure. heavy heavy in the the corral of brushes but um uh, brad woodard i don't know if you know him from, yeah yeah brave the uh, woods, brave the woods. Yep. Yep. Um, he has come up with two sets that i just love and, and so mm-hmm. those are some yeah he's ones. done those with dustin lee yeah yeah, so, yeah dustin well, and i are friends that's a, that's Sorry. a great thing about this community. I mean, it's just, you know, it's such a small world and it's so fun to see how everybody supports each other. And yeah, I think, you know, when I was getting into art, everybody's, you know, in art school, it's like, Oh, it's cutthroat out there and you know nobody can make it. And there's not enough work. And, you know, I just think it's been amazing to see over, I think even the arts in the last, you know, maybe five years or so, just this, and I think social media has a huge um, impact on, I mean, I'm sure as you know, just doing podcasts sure. and getting to know so many amazing illustrators and creatives out there. But, um, yeah, I think things like, you know, like dribble and, you know, and then these conferences, like, you know, that you get to mm-hmm. go to and actually meet these people that you've been chatting with all year. I think such an amazing time to be an artist, really. Um, just like I said, it's, makes it a small world. <laughs> yeah, it really does. It, it, it's, it, I'm still shocked that people know who I am <laughs> when I go to things. I'm like, How? I'm, cause I mean, I work in house. I don't the, yeah. like. I don't have this huge portfolio. I don't have a ton of work out there. That's. I don't really have anything that's noticeable as far as like creative work out there. Not that I'm. Not that I think I'm a bad designer or anything. It's just most of the stuff I can't even show. I'm not allowed to show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then I go to places and like I know you. I listen. To I'm like what? 
How? I'm looking around for the guy behind me that they know or something like that. It's like, is Nick Slater, be- is Nick Slater behind me? What? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the, the internet... Does- uh, Everybody does, does, does. I was just gonna say, everybody does such a good job of supporting each other. I think, and like mm-hmm. in an authentic way, it's not just like, "Hey, I like you. What can you do for me?" It's more of a like, "I'm a genuine fan," and then, mm-hmm. you know, it's and then and I think that's it's amazing. People putting out projects, you know, from Kickstarter to just you know, picture books. It's and I think that's why it's really taken off because there's you know not only the actual audience that you're you know children's. You know, I'm thinking more of children's book. But, I mean, you've got kids sure. that love your books, but then. You've got this huge, uh, you know, fan base and of, of friends that are also in the industry that are you mm-hmm. know, sort of cheering you on and encouraging you and you know giving you critiques and I mean I just I don't I would not be where I am today with you know in that small <laughs> small yeah. small period of time I, I think that that growth has been so much because of fellow artists that gave me awesome insights and you know helped you know give me feedback and critiques and. Influence me with their work. So. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I, I definitely would. Uh, I'm definitely glad that I have kids because I would be the weirdo in the children's book section <laughs> looking at all this stuff and with, you know, everybody clutching their children close to them. Exactly. <laughs> so now I have a good excuse to drag my kids to the yeah, bookstore. Exactly. <laughs> So, well, since we're kind of getting close to our time, um, where where can people find you online? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, my website's lukeflowerscreative.com, um, which is in desperate need of an update. So sorry about that. Although I did just update all the gallery work and taking it piece by piece. Um, and then uh, on Twitter, it's L A F or Laugh Creative. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Instagram, LF Creative. Um, and then I'm on Facebook as well. I don't do very good um, keeping up there, but um, you can find me as Luke Flowers on Facebook. So those are the gotcha. streams. Those are the streams you find me floating about in, I guess. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. And then you know, going back to that fan thing, uh, my my, I would be remiss if uh, I didn't tell you hello from my wife and that she is a huge fan. Oh. Um, I I am as well. It it literally took me about six months to get up the courage to email you just to see if you would be on the podcast. Oh, so. well, thank you. I appreciate it. So I'm, I'm glad you said yes. No, for sure. This has been so fun. I love connecting with fellow creatives and talking shop. So <laughs> Awesome. So we end every podcast by saying, go out and hug some necks, which is a way of just saying, go out, make friends, don't be a stranger. Would you mind taking us out by saying that? Yeah. For sure. Well, this is Luke Flowers just saying thanks for listening and make sure you go out and hug some necks. Perfect. Thanks, Luke. You can find out more about Luke on Twitter at LAF Creative. And be sure to check out the links in the show notes for more ways to keep up with him. You can keep up with the podcast on Twitter and Facebook at Creative SO Pod and follow Creative South on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Creative South GA over at CreativeSouth.com. And I'm at Jay Frostholm on Dribble, Twitter, and Instagram. Visit JackPrince.com and get 20% off orders over $25 when you use promo code CreateSouth17 at checkout. 
For a limited time, new Skillshare customers can get their first three months for just 99 cents to get unlimited access to thousands of classes when you sign up at Skillshare.com using promo code CreativeSouth. What are you waiting for? Start learning today. And remember, if you like the show, help support us over at Patreon.com slash CreativeSouth. And if you like the Creative South podcast, head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. Rate us and leave a review. This helps more people find the podcast and allows us to keep getting awesome guests. Now go out and hug some necks.